and welcome back to another episode of Bloodthirsty Times. I'm your ghost, Emily. And it's your boo, Will. And I'm October. <laughs> Today we have several short Halloween stories, to s- so smell your feet and join us in these Bloodthirsty Times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times, and these are bloodthirsty times. What's up, everybody? How's everyone doing? Super. Good. Spoopy season. Ooh, yeah. You feeling spoopy? Uh, no. Are you dressing up? No. You don't have Halloween parties with your hyena? Nah. Really? I thought you were for sure. I was for sure now that you got a girl in your life, you're like, she's going to make you dress up as like a couples themed or something. We Yeah, we thought for sure you guys were going to have a yeah. couple's costume. Uh, maybe next year. Oh, it's mm. not too late. Yeah, it's not too late. You can go right it's now. It's not too late, go Stephanie. To go to the store. Go to Spirit. You don't want to. You, don't sound, you sound like you're kind of happy about it. I'm going to message her <laughs> right now. Best not. Like, oh, while we're recording, go buy <laughs> matching couples costumes for you. This and will Will, come please. out. This will come out after, but can you please go do that now? No, it'll probably come out Halloween. This will be no, ready I mean, after she could go shopping. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but uh, damn, that's really surprising. I really thought you'd be like, oh yeah, I have to go dress up. No, <laughs> it's not too late. That'll be a next year thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you guys did do other spoopy stuff. You guys went to Universal Studios. That was pretty cool. Yeah, we did. Went to a pumpkin patch. Oh yeah, you guys were in the Halloween spirit, except for Halloween. Yeah. Okay. That was the thing before. Ever. You have to work or are you handing out candy? Uh, I have to work, but then when I get home, I think we're going to hand out candy. Yeah, you just have a little sign, like put the candy bucket below you so the ha- the Halloween candy is below me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, below me. Yeah, below me. The Halloween yeah. candy is below me. I have wow. a yeah. three musketeers. <laughs> What's that? The mini. <laughs> the mini. No, oh, come on, dude, full size. <laughs> Not king size, though. No, Wait, no, no, no. what is it? Three Musketeers. Okay, it's a candy bar. It's a candy bar. It's also chocolate, a euphemism. Chocolate nougat. For what? <laughs> is that what it is, Will? It's yeah. a chocolate nougat. <laughs> All right, kicking it off to inappropriate quick like today. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we can just move on. Uh, so welcome to this year's <laughs> Halloween episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our Hispanic heritage, heritage episode about the death of Selena. But now it's time to get spoopy up in here. Emily and Will have each brought Halloween crimes, while I have brought a ghost story for you guys to listen to. So Emily will be kicking us off with our first story of the night, which is the story of. Uh, come on, no clever name. Nothing. Yeah, my bad. So okay, Halloween dates back many centuries, but the act not even of a tra- shot. You didn't even no. just skip Mm-mm. past it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So Halloween dates back many centuries, but the act of trick-or-treating was actually something cemented in the 1950s. I'm not sure who thought it was a good idea to go house hopping and eating random things from strangers, but nonetheless, here we are. My spoopy story happened in 1971 and comes to us from good old Texas, where we just got back from. Many of you probably haven't heard of Ronald Clark O'Brien, but he is known as the Candyman or the man who killed Halloween. Ronald was a 39-year-old optician from Deer Park, Texas. He was married with two children, Timothy and Elizabeth. I will not say his wife's name because she's requested not to be mentioned in any stories. He was a deacon of the Baptist church, sang in their choir, and ran a local bus program. He was such a nice fella. 
I thought last year established that Halloween kills, not he just he killed Halloween. Mm, I don't know. What do you? Oh, that movie. Yeah, terrible, the movie you enjoyed terrible. so much. Oh my god, the, the worst ten dollars I had huge fan ever. Of. The worst I have ever seen. I know you're, you're not even giving the new one a chance. Mm-mm. And it's new like Halloween. free on my TV. We're, so we're talking no. about the Halloween movies. Well, oh, you look, you look um, lost. We were watching it last night, but then I got sleepy, so then we stopped watching it. What Halloween ends or whatever? Yeah. Wait, it's called Halloween. Okay, Halloween have you seen ends. last year's? Did you see last year's? No. Halloween kills. Stupid. So yeah, that's what Emily said. She got back from like a girls' date, (laughs) and she was like, "That is the worst movie I have ever seen." Yeah, that's what that's what Stephanie said. So I'm like, "Nope, I wanted my money back." The only Halloween I really enjoyed Rob Zombies, even though a lot of people didn't. I like that that? one, the Rob Zombie one with the. I mean, uh, what is that? (laughs) Two of them, right? Uh, Yeah, there's two Halloweens he did. I I think I enjoyed both of them, but the first one for sure with like the origin of the of Mike Michael Myers. Wait, he did those movies? Yeah, he did two of them. How long ago? I think they were ones that you actually liked. They were maybe a couple years, five, six years ago. I don't feel that I've ever liked a Halloween movie. I, I mean, you liked the one that I'm talking about. Like I forget the first Halloween. Was. Well, the original is really good. No. I mean, I haven't seen those, so I don't know. Like, but no, I don't <laughs> <Okay>. like <laughs> There's horrible movies. I've never they're seen them, terrible. but they're horrible movies. <laughs> I didn't say horrible. I just said no. Like, you said terrible. I don't like old things. So are we going to get divorced before I get old or what? I mean, you're always going to be younger than me, so, you know, there's that. Oh, yeah. You're... <laughs> Anyways, go on. Please continue. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, on Halloween night of 1974, Ronald took his two children trick-or-treating in a neighborhood near their home. Ronald's neighbor and his two children tagged along, fortunately for them, unfortunately for him. After visiting a home where nobody answered the door, the children ran ahead to the next house while Ronald stayed behind. Sus. He eventually caught up with the group and suddenly had five 21-inch pixie sticks in his hand. Not sure of the like reasoning behind the specific inches, but I guess... Well, 21-inch pixie stick is not your standard-sized pixie stick. That's the, that's the extra-large ones. That's like the... Yeah. So like, it's almost two feet. Also, as in researching this part, I thought that those were like a new age thing. I did not realize that they had, oh, had no, those. Pixie sticks is just crushed no, up I like... No, I know pixie sticks were, but I didn't know the long ones were oh. an older thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I guess I can see where you would think that. Yeah, because I didn't have them when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah, well, you would later what came from the south, so <laughs> we probably invented them. Someone Google that. Mm-hmm. Whatever his name is, what's that guy that you guys? Jamie. Use? Jamie. Oh, yeah. Jamie, look it up. Okay, I'll look it up. Yeah, that guy. What's the other guy's name? Fags. Oh, Richard. Yes, Richard. That's who I was going to tell you to, to look well, it up. He, he only plays music. Yeah, he plays. Your Sorry, I don't give access to computers <laughs> or a house or income. Well, we don't, we don't pay him for helping us out. <laughs> so Ronald later claimed that he got them from the no answer house. At the end of the night, Ronald gave each one of his neighbors, two children, a pixie sticks. I may screw that up. It may be pixie stick or pixie sticks. We'll just go with it. And then he gave each one to his children, Timothy and Elizabeth. Upon returning home, he gave the fifth pixie sticks to a 10 year old boy whom he recognized from his church. That night before bed, Timothy asked to eat some of his candy, and according to Ronald, he chose the pixie sticks. Ronald said Timothy had trouble getting the powdered candy out of the straw, so he helped him loosen it up. Timothy complained that the candy tasted bitter, so his dad gave him some Kool-Aid. Very soon after eating the pixie sticks, little Timmy started having a tummy ache and ran to the bathroom where he began vomiting and having convulsions. Daddy Dearest claimed little Timmy went limp in his arms, and he rushed him to the hospital. And on the way, Timothy died, less than 30 minutes after eating the candy his father had given him. 
News of Timothy's death from poison Halloween candy raised fear in the community. Numerous parents in Deer Park and the surrounding areas turned in their candy to the police that they got from trick-or-treating, fearing it was laced with poison. The police did not initially suspect Ronald O'Brien of any wrongful wrongdoing until Timothy's autopsy revealed that the pixie sticks he had eaten were laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide. All four of the five pixie sticks Ronald claimed to have received were recovered by authorities from the, from the other children, none of whom who had consumed the candy. The parents of the fifth child became frantic when they could not locate the pixie sticks after the police alerted them. They rushed upstairs to their home in their home to find their son asleep, holding the unopened pixie in his hand. He had been unable to open the staple that sealed the wrapper shut. All five of the pixie sticks had been opened and the two top two inches of each had been refilled with cyanide powder and resealed with a staple, according to a pathologist who tested the pixie sticks. The candy consumed by Timothy contained enough cyanide to kill two adults, while the other four candies contained enough to kill three to four adults. Good thing those kids didn't eat them. Two inches of pixie stick was pure cyanide? Damn. Yes. So the kid who ate it got a straight dose of cyanide? Yes. He's dead. And no yeah, wonder it tasted bitter. Are you on the history of pixie stick, too? Yes. All right. So it started in the 1930s as a drink called Frutola, which was basically like the old age Kool-Aid. Um, and then the creator, Jay Fish Smith, realized that kids crave this sweet tart powder straight from the package. So he created the the pixie sticks, but it started as Lickum Aid. <laughs> what? Which then That's turned a- into Fun Dip. Ooh, fun dip around? is completely different. Yeah, but it's the same same owners. Powder. Same yeah. powder. Oh. With just yeah. a, a stick. It, the yeah. Fun Dip has a candy stick with it. Mm-hmm. I love Fun Dip. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mention anything about the size. But I, so they probably had everything available. <laughs> I thought you were going to say cyanide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they failed <laughs> to mention that there was cyanide, cyanide. In, their, in their tubes. That came yeah. at a later date. Because it doesn't show like how how big the sticks are in the picture. Just I'm sure they had all kinds of sizes. Yeah, like these are probably the the fun size. Yeah. No, fun size is small. Yeah, but fun size back in the day meant big because that's fun. Hmm. Yeah. I think if th- you can fit in your pocket if it's fun. So small. Mine doesn't fit in my too. pocket. And that right. yeah. is Will dance. Anyways, that's the history yeah. on Pixie. <laughs> and a dance from Will. Yes, and a dance. All right, uh. so, of course, Ronald told the police that he couldn't remember which house the Pixie Sticks had come from, and honestly, I don't think I would have thought that was weird, because as a parent, I only remember the cool houses that give us full-size candy bars or the little goodie bags. Ronald probably would, would have gotten away with it if he hadn't let the old neighbor and his heathens tag along. The police were able to piece together which houses they went to, and since it just so happened to be raining, they only went to a handful of houses on two streets, none of which handed out pixie sticks, probably because they're lame-ass candy to hand out on Halloween. Also, is this an episode of Scooby-Doo? Because they would, he would have got away with it if it weren't for you meddling, for kids. meddling kids. Yeah. I've never seen that, but... Not yeah. a single episode of Scooby-Doo. Come ever. on. Not a single... Zero. You've seen the... Luca watches the movie with... Hand uh, God, zero. With, uh, what's his name, um... What is his name? Shaggy. Uh, anyways, he's a great actor. The guy Ooh. from Without a Paddle, Matthew Lillard. Uh, mm. With him, I, I, I would never would have came up with that name. 
Dude, Matthew Lillard is a great scream. actor. He's he's amazing. He's a really good actor. But anyways, you never he, Luca watches all the time, and they say at the end of the movie, "I would have gotten away with you with, with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids." Like they say it literally like every episode. Well, if I had known that, I would have used that. Sorry. Is, I I guess I should have known. You don't know that because it's man, a movie you must after have been all. Living under an expensive rock as a kid. Why expensive, William? Because your parents are rich. That's false precedented. Mm. Oh. Mm. 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 Is it though? Mm. Mm. I mean, mm. bedrooms were in your house growing up. Four. 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 Yeah. Wait. Yeah. yeah four. <laughs> Normal. Yeah, I guess. Sure. There you go. <laughs> What'd you expect me to say? Twelve. Yeah. How many people lived in the house? Uh, five. Three? Five. Three. Oh, three. Well, I mean, five part time. Two part time. No, two full-time. Three full-time. So I said two part-time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yep. All right, yeah. cool. We all right, never cool. all five lived in the same house at one time. Okay, there. so there was always an extra bedroom. Got it. Or two. Whatever, you guys are just The master whatever. and then you and then two f- wide open bedrooms. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I had a couch in my bedroom, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was uh. probably what you were living under. <laughs> the couch, couch. couch, couch in, in your bedroom. <laughs> That's mean. Stop, Tilly. All right. Ronald walked the two streets with police officers multiple times, and they he finally took them into the house where nobody answered while trick-or-treating. Ronald claimed that he went back there before catching up with the rest of the group and said the, said the owner of the home did not turn the lights on, but did crack the door open and hand him five pixie sticks. Clearly a man without a plan, Ronald told the police that he only remembered the homeowner had a hairy arm and he didn't see his face. The home was owned by a man named Courtney Melvin, and he was an air traffic controller with William P. Hobby Airport, and he did not get home from work that night until 11 p.m. Police ruled him out as a suspect when over 200 people confirmed that he had been at work. I just have to comment on the hairy arm thing. What the yeah. fuck? Well, not even just that, but like at that point where like you're you're ronald right and you're showing the police fucking the the trail you took and he like two times and like oh yeah that's the house and this is the guy he only had a hairy arm like you would have been like all right you got me there's no guy like clearly they know you're fucking lying like there's there's just no doubt about it the, your story's not believable in any sense like there's a lot of holes in it so i, I would have been i'm not good at this like under pressure so i'm like yeah you're right <laughs> you guys are right we didn't say anything sir um yeah i know but you, you guys are right i i did this i would have gave up immediately i'm a bad criminal i just don't understand like why you would have thought to do this with witnesses like you you let your neighbor and his kids tag along like why would you think that, that you'd get away with this i'm sure he was just upset that not only his kid ate it i mean i guess yeah but then they could still piece together like which each kid what ki- each kid ate yeah yeah, like you said, this, he's not a man with a plan. <laughs> yeah. True. So, after diving deeper into the lives of the O'Brien family, the police discovered that Ronald had $100,000 in debt. And that's about $602,444 in today's translation or whatever, money. Right. <laughs> so, uh, mm, this is something we I've talked about many times, family annihilators. This is one of the biggest uh causes of it is a man feels inadequate because he is in debt so much and he can't give the, his family the life he thinks they deserve. So 
instead of I'm sure you're going to talk about it because it's just regular family Nyler stuff. Um, he just felt like he can't support them and give them what they need. So might as well kill them all. That would be a good theory. Good theory. Hold on to that. Okay. Except this piece of shit is not a family annihilator. Tried to be. Nope. Didn't even. Oh, okay. Just well, that's a kid annihilator. The, the numbers. Yeah, that's a family. No, that's... I mean, he didn't even kill, care about killing his wife or his other kid. He didn't even, like... I think it still classifies a family annihilator. Well, we're going to go with kid murderer. Okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah, same thing. Okay. Well, I mean, I can understand what you're saying. Like, they do want to, like, annihilate their entire family when there's issues like this that come up, mm-hmm. but... I'll go into details as to why I don't feel like he could be considered that. So they discovered that he could not keep a job and had about 21 in the last 10 years prior to that incident. At the time of his arrest, he was suspected of theft at his job at Texas State Optical, and he was close to being fired. That's over two two jobs a year? Yeah. I don't know how people do that. That's I don't either. I need, like, stability badly. Yeah, some people just are not good employees. Clearly, because he was. So you stealing. think he, he left the jobs, or you think he was fired from these jobs? No, I think he left. Make sure both. I mean, he was fired. Because I know several people who just don't want to hold on to a job. You know what I mean? Like they go through yeah. jobs through and through, but that's because they're like, "Oh, my manager yelled at me one time. I'm not going to fucking work there," and it's just an excuse to not work. In general, like every time they come up with a reason, like "Ah, oh, they treated me poorly. I couldn't get the day off that I wanted." Like just you know things like that. I don't know. It could be many things, but that's still crazy. Two jobs a year. That's that's a lot. Over, well, 21. So at one point he had three jobs in a year. But yeah, that's just, that's so crazy to me. So he doesn't keep this one. Yeah. <laughs> so he was spiraling and his home was about to be foreclosed on. His car was repossessed and he had defaulted on several bank loans. Police discovered that Ronald had taken out life insurance policies on both of his children in the months leading up to Timothy's death. In January of 1974, he had taken out $10,000 life insurance policy on both kids. One month before Timothy's death, he'd taken out an additional $20,000 policies on both children, despite the objections of his insurance agency. In the days before Timothy's death, he had taken out yet another $20,000 policy on each child. The very various policies totaled to an approximately $60,000, which is how much in today's money, Will? $361,226. Awesome. That's a lot of different... A huge difference in time. Yeah. Or money. And which only would be about half of what he's actually in debt with. So that's yeah, going to kill both of them. What if he, what he's in debt for and what he's supposedly going to get back if he were to get away with this is not even equal. So I'm not really sure what his thoughts were on that either. Oh, you would cut but, his debt, cut his debt in half. So at least that's something. But, but he'd aren't have to you able, out, he'd have I'm to sure kill both in, of them. In the yeah. 70s, you're able to like negotiate, right? Like, paid off for a fraction of what you actually owe i would only feel like that's plausible if you had well, i don't know your car your house and multiple bank loans what type of loans were they were they for your house and car probably i mean I don't, I don't know what he's indebted to but i mean i know today like if you are defaulting or are in the process of doing that they'll be like hey call us we'll work with you you know we'll settle your debt for Pennies on the dollar, essentially. Yeah, as long as they get something. If you're six hundred two thousand dollars in debt, and you give them three hundred and sixty-one thousand, they'll probably be like, "All right, we're good." Yeah, that's that's a good amount. It's over half of what he needs, yeah. right? Yeah. I feel like yeah. if you have that much debt, like, and you're just sitting on half, why wouldn't he just pay it off anyway, or pay that towards what you have? 
He doesn't have half yet. He's a, he's trying to get half. He has to kill both kids to get half. Mm-hmm. He, has, he has to do a lot of fucked up shit to get or, sorry. half of the dead. He has to Two kill of his one kids have to half. die for him to get it. Yeah. That's he murder and then it's, it's a That's, default I, on it. I, I've... Do you think he's explaining to them that, hey, look, I lost two kids also, so like the debt's kind of equal? You know, here's half, and I also lost two kids, so yeah, kind it kind of equals out. I'd hate to be that loan collector. <laughs> Have that conversation. <laughs> you, you did what? <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, no, go fuck yourself. So you're telling mm-hmm. you did what? <laughs> Sorry, what now? <laughs> Cyanide in pixie sticks? Is what you're saying? And now, right. now your kid is dead. Because you owe us money. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, you still owe wait, us money. <laughs> yeah. I'm are not going like, to be able to sleep at night and you still owe us money. <laughs> yeah. Are you like stupid because he didn't do both or yeah, my, or sorry, because one got killed. Yeah. It's like uh, when you get uh, your tire slashed, if you slash three of your tires, then you can claim it right on a uh, I feel like this is no longer a valid point yeah because but insurance companies are like thing. yeah everyone it's a funny knows thing. yeah it's a funny thing though like but if you slash all four that doesn't count so you only want to do three right that's a psycho ex-girlfriend mentality yeah. well, no they would do all four it is what it is okay no oh they yeah would do all they four, would do all four so you they can would do get all four. your insurance actually that's false also true psycho ex-girlfriends would do all three with one knife and the fourth one with a separate one you're welcome. Well, um, I don't think they're going to investigate. Yeah, unless they, yeah, they will. Knife. Yes, they will. The knife they're, in the yeah, tire. they're not bringing yes. out CSI to be like, <laughs> to no, but the insurance tire. company this can investigate this. And this one was a tanto. <laughs> no, you like markings. really, <laughs> you really fuck one of them up. Like, yeah. open the clearly tire. Clearly, like, this one was done it. with a completely different knife. We yeah. can tell by this looking at Swiss Army. I'm thinking 70s model. Google it. I promise it's a thing. No. There's, they don't have tire CSI agents. <laughs> what insurance company do you have, William? How do you know? They say take a picture of it. <laughs> They're not going to freaking send it to I a forensic have, expert. I've literally heard of someone who had to take a picture of the knife injury for each tire. Okay. <laughs> so the knife injury? Entry. Entry. Entering the vehicle. Entry? Entry. Okay. Am I saying it weird? <laughs> Yes. In in the world of insurance policies, entry tire knives are considered especially heinous. <laughs> the dedicated inte- investigators <laughs> investigate these vicious tire tire slashings <laughs> can tell the difference between a serrated knife and a tent. There are knife. members of an elite squad <laughs> known as a tire mark investigator. I don't do that. The, my point is, no, they're not doing that. <laughs> promise anyways where do we leave off i'm so lost right now (laughs) (laughs) all right so ron's wife yeah okay ron's wife claims she knew nothing about any of the policies he had taken on his children and she wasn't privy to the fact that on the morning after their son died he called the insurance company to inquire on how to collect the money for timothy's death police learned that ronald visited a chemical supply store in houston to buy cyanide shortly before halloween 1974 but left without purchasing any because the smallest amount available to purchase was five pounds that's Wait, not what? enough. You could buy cyanide. I I was gonna ask that. What? When yeah, did think, this not? No. When it stopped? Yeah. Because I mean, we haven't talked about him yet, but I know that um, the the fuck the the guy in Chicago, H H Holmes, he had, he bought cyanide constantly. Wasn't bought, from the twenties? Uh, the World's Fair, so thirties. 
Okay, so well before this, but I'm just yeah. trying to figure out what they would. I don't know if that's a uh, fertilizer. I think it has to be, be like a for? bug killer or like a deterrent on crops and stuff like that. But because it's a hardware store that you went to, a f- chemical, chemical store, chemical supply. Okay, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I want to. I'd be curious to see when they stopped allowing it because they realized it was such a dangerous thing. Because this is '74 and he's still able to do it. So Jamie will been, let us know. Yeah, Jamie's looking it up. But I, the other thing is. Um, People make this mistake constantly. Don't call your insurance saying, hey, can I collect right away? The biggest red flag you could put, I mean, aside from murdering your children, the biggest red flag is immediately, like, the body's not even cold yet. Hey, I need to collect money. Like, that's clearly the biggest tell of uh, of some kind of fraud or, you know, malpractice, not malpractice, but, you know, foul play. And it's just like, just don't, I know you need money now, but you can call someone else later oh, like the you know? car company in the house like the mortgage company aren't going to give a crap about a couple of days if you're truly yeah. you like lost your kid, a kid just died yeah, yeah. like just give them a call like, like hey i'm trying i'm trying to figure this out but my kid just passed away and don't call to collect money like it, it's just or do call be dumb please be dumb call and collect your money right away because then you'll get caught right away yeah yeah so uh cyanide was used to make paper textiles and plastics and then cyanide salts are used in metallurgy. Don't know what that is. It's the uh, electroplating. Metal. Yeah, electroplating, metal cleaning, and removing gold from its ore. Oh dang! So it's Wait, using a lot of different. Thing? Yeah. Huh? Dang, that's actually a really, really it's useful chemical. Mm-hmm. Used in what? The metal what? The last part. Um, removing gold from its ore. Oh. Yeah. Way more. And they use the gas to exterminate pests and vermin in ships and buildings. So yeah, yeah. Um, that seems like, I guess a, a normal thing that you could purchase at a chemical supply store. But um, Apparently. I don't know that you can still do it today. Can you? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You probably need special licensing for whatever business you own. Yeah, to prove that you need cyanide. Yeah, and purchasing probably way more, like pounds than five. Yeah, it's not wholly unattainable, though. But yeah, I think you, Will's right. You probably need some kind of specific reason and like documentation saying, I bought this much and this is why I need it. Here's my name. Here's my number where to find me. So yeah. in case, you know, someone dies, you're like, oh, this guy bought cyanide. There and you, you probably can't buy it online. Or you could, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're going to admit. Yeah. All right, so police began to piece together a theory that Ronald, La- Ronald laced the candies with poison in an effort to kill his children to collect on their life insurance policies. They believe he gave the other children poisoned candy in an effort to cover up his crime. Police repeatedly questioned Ronald, but he maintained his innocence the entire time. Police were never able to figure out where Ronald got the cyanide from, but on November 5th, 1974, they arrested and charged him with one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. He pled not guilty to all counts, and his trial started in Houston on May 5, 1975. During the trial, a chemist who knew Ronald testified that in the summer of 1973, he contacted him asking about cyanide and how much would be fatal. A chemical supply salesman also testified that Ronald had asked him how to purchase cyanide. Friends and co-workers also testified in the months before Timothy's death that Ronald showed an unusual interest in cyanide and spoke about how much it would take to kill a person. At his trial, his brother-in-law and sister-in-law stated that at Timothy's funeral, he commented about using the life insurance policy money to take a long vacation and purchase various items. Ronald's wife rejected his claim that Timothy chose the pixie sticks. She stated that Ronald had forced him to choose the sticks, despite 
And despite all the evidence stacked against him, Ronald continued to maintain his innocence. His defense mainly drew upon the decades of urban legends concerning a mad poisoner who hands out Halloween candy laced with poison or candy apples filled with razor blades inserted. These stories have persisted despite the fact that these there are no documented instances of strangers poisoning Halloween candy. And I have to touch on that. There is a shit ton of like fake stories about passing out yeah. weed candy, passing out fentanyl pills, blah, 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 blah. No one's giving your fucking children drugs yeah. for free. I was I Not knew you one. were gonna mention it, so I didn't mention it earlier, but I was in my head, I was like, oh, is this where the stories came from? This one dude who poisoned his own children? I mean, there are shit tons of stories in the news, but like, how factual are they? No one's yeah. giving out free drugs. I, where are they if they are? I need to know the addresses. I need to know what kind. And Is like, I saw edibles? the little ad about the fentanyl pills inside the Skittles bottle or Skittles package. Uh, I saw the one That's about for the um, flight cert, like to 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 fly smuggle, with them. to smuggle them. Yeah, to smuggle them. Um, I saw the one about the rainbow candy that looked like uh, the candy you oh, like yeah. the chalky ones. What are they called? Chalky. The, yeah, the little pills. They look like little pills that come in packs. <clears throat> Don't know which ones you're talking about. Sweet tarts. Sweet. Well, yeah, but the, before the sweet tarts, there was... Uh, oh, Smarties. Smarties. Thank you. That's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, they look more like sweet tarts. They have imprints on Do them, it? and they're supposedly fentanyl, rainbow candy, whatever. Mm. Again, nobody is giving out fentanyl for free. It's cheap, but it ain't that fucking cheap. What if they do? My bad. <laughs> If you have any questions, take your candy to your local police department and have them look at it. They're not going to x-ray it. They don't have that shit. No hospital emergency room, especially mine, is going to x-ray your candy. Nobody. No place that I've ever heard of. If your place does have time to do that, good on you, but mine don't, okay? If you're worried about it, just throw away all the candy. Exactly. Go buy your your kids their own candy and just replace it. frolic around in their costume. Exactly. Good Mm -hmm. points, guys. So what happened to this guy? So the case and subsequent trial garnered national attention and the press dubbed Ronald the Candyman. On June 3rd, 1975, a jury of his peers took 46 minutes to find him guilty of one count of capital murder and four counts attempted murder. The jury took 71 minutes to sentence him to death by electrocution. Remember that electrocution part. Okay. Shortly after he was convicted, his wife filed for divorce and later remarried. Her new husband adopted their daughter, Elizabeth. Thankfully. Good. Ronald was set to be put to death on August 8th, 1981, but his attorney was able to get a stay of execution. His second date for execution was May 25th of 1982, and that was also postponed. His third date was set for the eighth anniversary of Timothy's death, which was October 31st of 1982, and the judge at the time offered to drive Ronald to the execution chamber himself. That would have been the first lethal injection in Texas, but the Supreme Court delayed his date again to give him a chance for appeal. So by this time, they've switched methods of execution. Mm-hmm. Hmm. His fourth date was set for March 30th of 1984, and despite his attorney requesting another stay, the judge rejected it on March 28th of 1984. Just before midnight, March 31st, 1984, Ronald was put to death by lethal injection in the Huntsville unit of the Texas, I don't know, that's a very infamous Yeah, it's, fam- it's very famous, yeah. yeah. And because I've always found it interesting, I wanted to include his last meal and last words. Buckle up. His last meal was a medium to well done T-bone steak. Oh, okay. Fry him right now. Yeah, exactly. Fry him right now. Exactly. Yeah, well done. Come on. Yeah, get out of here. 
Uh, you, that tells you, know, you I, all I, you need to know about being a surgeon. I'm, I'm a pretty pro- big proponent against the death sentence. Um, but like, yeah, go ahead and fry this guy. Not because he killed a kid, because of his steak order. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> French fries with ketchup, whole kernel corn. Don't do it out, probably. It's fine. <laughs> sweet peas, lettuce and tomato salad with egg and French dressing, iced tea, sweetener, saltine crackers, Boston cream pie, and rolls. That's just, that's a lot of food for your last meal, but. Um, it doesn't sound too bad, honestly. Try the steak. Yeah. Are you going salad on your last meal? Either one of you. No, probably not. Oh, no. I'm just going all meat. No. Yeah, all meat. I need that uh, tomahawk steak. I need those dinosaur ribs. Uh, give me dinosaur all that stuff. Dinosaur ribs? Yeah, the really big ones. Oh. Need me. Oh, wait. I don't want your tomahawk. Okay. Mm. So, his last words were. Oh, Wagyu beef. Mm. <laughs> that does sound good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. His last words were. What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I would forgive all those who have taken part in any way in my death. Also, to anyone I have offended in any way during my 39 years, I pray and ask you for forgiveness, just as I forgive anyone who has offended me in any way. And I pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us, respectively, as human beings. To my loved ones, I extend my undying love. To those close to me, know in your hearts I love you, one and all. God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. Ronald C. O'Brien. P.S. During my time here, I have been treated well by all TDC personnel. During his execution, there were approximately 300 people outside the Huntsville unit. Some of them held anti-death penalty signs, while others threw candy at them and happily chanted trick-or-treat. Ooh, bitch. Scary. Why do we have to remember the electrocution? Because in the middle of his getting executed, he, they ch- the Texas, state of Texas changed the method of execution. Oh, okay. I see. So that also played a little part of why his executions were continuously delayed. Got it. Well, but at least also, it didn't wait in a couple more years because in a couple more years it would have been illegal everywhere. So I don't think it's illegal in Texas ever. No, it, it was. Uh, across. They, they did it and then undid it a couple years later. Because I think it was like 91, I want to say, they, they made it illegal for the death penalty, like across the board. I just want to know why in the hell in your last words are you going to shout out the fucking personnel of the prison you're at? They made an impression on him, clearly. Yeah. Clearly. He was really like, well. Yeah. Was like, but hey. Can you imagine like the threat? Like, I'll fucking beat your ass if you don't shout us out. Which I'm <laughs> dying anyway. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like he was like, well, they treated me good in my last days. I can't complain too much. I mean, yeah, they gave me a well done steak. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool because that whole story is basically the start of look look at your kids' candy, which is uh, you see it every year. Every year, there's a meme or post on Facebook for some Karen out there, um, and uh, it's always like, hey, make sure you check your kids' candy every year, yeah, without fail. Mm-hmm. I've only seen it seventeen times today. Mm-hmm. at least well that's pretty cool thanks Emily that's a good story uh, Will what do you have for us uh, nothing like that no uh, what do you have no, no. Uh, I struggled a little bit to find a true Halloween story uh, so instead I found a brutal murder that took place on Halloween yeah that counts it's just as good yeah technically that was Emily's yeah, this it's just hers had a little more uh, pop culture to it with the candy thing yeah this one's just a little much 
Okay. I actually so. I did skim a little bit and it is it is yeah. <laughs> I think this is a strap yourself in for this one, folks. It's yeah, a, it's this a little is a trigger warning here. <laughs> I like how you're just like, uh yeah, this story's uh something else. Yeah, something else, but it takes place on Halloween, so all right, it's this relevant. So it fits. So we traveled to Mount Pleasant, Michigan for this murder, which took place on October thirty first, two thousand twelve. John D. White was a Michigan minister that had more nefarious thoughts than the ones that you would find in the Holy Bible. He wanted to have sex with a dead body and also had been watching underground necrophilia porn and now needed to act on it. Really? That's your intro to this story? (laughs) Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, a couple things first. Um, That's really recent. This is only 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And also, what the? This is a preacher? What is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a preacher. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Minister, right. I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah. One of those things. He was uh he wore the holy cloth. Yeah, he's a man of the cloth. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not a good start for him. I'll tell you that much right now. No, 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 no. Rebecca Gay, who's 24, was putting on the final touches to her Halloween decorations at the house that she shared with her three-year-old son, Conway. Cheerful, trusting and happy. Those were the words people used to describe Rebecca. She was the heart and soul of the family, and so much so that even her sister, Deborah, would agree to. So Rebecca put her son to sleep the night before Halloween. Both were excited for the next day's activities, and then they tried to get some sleep to build up their trick-or-treating energy. Rebecca was awoken at 2 a.m. by a sound, as if someone was in the house. Rebecca slowly crept into the hallway to see where the sound had come from and was immediately met by John White smashing a rubber mallet over her head. He struck her again and again, and she started to feel dizzy, but fought off the feeling to close her eyes and really took a look at her attacker. She gasped, I know you. John then put a zip tie around her neck and tightened it until she could no longer breathe and passed out. John was now able to fulfill his desires and quickly stripped her body. Now, I guess the light at the end of the tunnel is we can't say for sure if he engaged in the necrophilia because John himself admits that he can't remember if he went through with it, but knows that he was unable to get an erection in the moment. Oh, really? So all this built-up energy, this pent-up energy he had of all these fantasies, and when it comes down to it, he can't perform. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. Although I, he, people say this all the time, like, um, I don't know if you're aware of the serial killer from Alaska. Um, dang, I just had his name. I forgot. He's pretty famous. He uh, did all these things. And I think he also acted, uh, did at Necrophilia X. Mm-hmm. However, it, when it was time to, you know, pay the piper in court and the justice system, he pretty much begged and pleaded for these things to be omitted. He'll admit to everything else, just leave out the necrophilia and all these gross things because he knew one day his own daughter would read these stories. Mm. Israel Keys. Israel Keys is his name. Uh, he's a serial killer. Pretty one of them. He's pretty much like one of the most famous ones of New Age stuff, anyway. But yeah, so the fact that he says no, I didn't do it because he couldn't do it is probably, in my opinion, a lie because he's you know he's not going to admit to it. He'll admit that he wanted to do it, but he yeah. won't admit to the act. to actually so, doing it. Yeah, right. He'll just be like, oh, I couldn't get it up in the moment, but I, I think it's a fair possibility that he 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 did participate in that. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Go on. No, you're good. 
So now as dawn started to approach, John needed to clean up the crime scene. So he stuffed Rebecca's body in a bin along with the bloody rags that he had used to clean up the floors and walls and dumped it into the bed of his pickup truck. He threw away her purse, her phone, and car keys in one of the trailer park trash cans. And then John found a quiet wooded area to dump her body and then proceeded to drive her car to a pub called The Barn Door and just left it there. John thought that if he left it, authorities would believe she had been abducted after leaving the bar after a night out. So he had a plan, essentially. Like, hey, I'm going to leave the car here. I'm going to get rid of everything else. I'm going to leave her car at this uh, pub. And then when she's reported missing, they're going to find her car and think, oh, someone abducted her from the bar. At least she had a plan. Yeah, this guy did have a plan, like the last guy who kind of came up with it in the moment. Yeah, if he, if he had these fantasies, like you're saying, necrophilic fantasies, uh, he'd been watching necrophilic porn and all this. He probably had thought a lot about this and the crime going into it. That, that's mm-hmm. probably part of his fantasy, is imagining the crime to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Again, this is a man of the cloth, so this is mm-hmm. crazy. It makes what? it all that much spookier. Let's not. Let's not. Why? That's what it is. Oh, what? That's not. He's a pastor. What? That's what he is. Why are you saying that? That's not. Why? It's not cute. Doesn't track. Doesn't fit. Not That's like okay. No. It doesn't have to. It's just okay. like we just turned a blind eye to Catholic priests touching crimes, no, touching well, kids. No, like, I'm not like saying that. Like, I don't know. Like maybe uh, whatever. We should Fine. just do what the. It. We should do what the clergy does and just move them to a different church. Yeah, they should have done that. Yeah, what, it's it gets, all it, it, this dives a little deeper. You, you'll okay. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, I like that you'll little be wink. like a, like, like a little, uh, little head scratcher, looking <laughs> a little bit. All right. So now, what makes this case even more chilling is that John was engaged to Rebecca's mother and often babysat her son Conway. So what? John, what? in order, was that what he was in? What he was engaged to Rebecca's mom. So this is t- going to be his. Daughter, in daughter. Law. Not da- yep. daughter. daughter. Step- stepdaughter. 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 Sorry. Mm-hmm. Stepdaughter. And that's his and essential grandson. That's another thing I was yep. going to comment on. Like we like think crimes that happen statistically are people you know. So like the, the fact that she looked up and said, "I know you," is super chilling because that's so common. Like it's usually someone that the person, the cops usually look at people she knows or the, the victim knows. And, and you know, to me, uh, a random person coming to your house is scarier than your own brother i guess coming in or we know whatever the person is to you coming in and murdering you but i think either way that's whether you look up like dude i know you why are you doing this or why is this random person doing it it's either it's both ways are terrifying experience yeah i think it's a little different when you're getting your head bashed in and you're looking and you're like what the fuck i know you why is this happening yeah that's got to be really confusing your last moments i was being like what is happening yeah father figure yeah why are you doing this i know you father figure (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no pun intended but yes no, that's, yes that was a pun <laughs> that was a good pun that was good good job that was funny thank you thank you oh god so john in order to remain anonymous with the murder he wanted to throw people off the trail he went back to rebecca's house and took care of her son and by take care i don't mean he yeah. killed him oh is no, this he, in a mob he's not no, part of the mob no, no i was okay. gonna think he no. meant like the other kind of take care like no he went there and he he fed him and then even dressed him up in his Halloween costume and drove him to his dad's house. Dang. That's nice. Yeah. So technically his grandchild, essentially. Essentially, yes. Yeah. 
but again, you're just trying to throw the trail. It's like, no, I was, you know, I, why would I do this? I took care of the kid and I, I brought him to his dad's house. I, I didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. And soon all after John, nice, was, what's that? All these nice people out here. Oh man, he's so nice. Dressed him up and all. But soon after he received the phone call he had been anticipating, it was Sally, his fiance, saying that Rebecca was missing and didn't show up for work that morning. Word quickly spread, and soon the town had all gathered at the tiny church, and for the next 20 hours, Pastor John led the prayers for the parishioners, knowing that their prayers would never be answered. Wait. Because he knows what happened. Yeah, that's so, more false flags type of thing. I have a question. What type of minister is he? Like, Because the few different I don't, I don't know. know mentions of his title are confusing me. Not that it matters, but I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, these religion. Just, it, I don't know. I almost said <laughs> Part of a church. Hold on. He's Part a pastor. Of a church. Isn't pastor a Christian? Uh, no, a certain... Pastor, I thought, unless it's father. I don't know. Pastor's a certain sect. Pastor. Okay, so pastor, I know I've been in two different types of I'm going to go say, go ahead and say Methodist. They just call him a former minister of a small Methodist. Michigan congregation. Just, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Methodist. I'm just, just going to throw it out there. Methodist. Yeah, yeah, just the first one I thought of. Okay. Yeah, they say the church... Somewhere, um, I'll see if I can find it in a little bit. Um, okay. But yeah, it's they, they kind of go about like, oh, he's a minister, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I can tell you the difference. Isabella County Sheriff Leo Mizuzwiski said his that's, office that's name. That's, that's a, a hell name. of a name. Mio Du Suzuki. Yeah, I'm just gonna call him Leo. Anytime I see his last name, I'm just gonna say Leo. That's a law enforcement um, officer. Yes. He's a sheriff. Said his office had oh. received a report that White was last seen near her home at 6.50 a.m. October 31st. But Leo said White later admitted he made that call and lied to officers. After White was brought in for questioning by Isabella County Sheriff's deputies, police said he admitted that he went into Gay's trailer after drinking four or five beers, killed her, and later disposed of her body. Gay's body was found near the intersection of Pickard and Coldwater, where White told police to look, according to Patterson's affidavit, and that's where they found her body, dumped in a bin. The Michigan State Police Crime Lab found blood in both Gay and White's trailers and blood and a necklace in the back of White's truck, which now put him suspect numero uno. Yeah. Now, White, whose criminal history includes at least two convictions for violent crime— has been charged with one count of first-degree premeditated murder and an open count of murder. The man pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter in 1994 in connection with the disappearance of a woman in Kalamazoo County and pleaded no contest to a charge of assault with intent to do great bodily harm for stabbing a woman in Calhoun County. Sheriff Leo said he did not know of any dealings that White had with the county sheriff's office in the past, though, and he said he is aware the man has worked in the past as a church pastor, but, quote-unquote, he was not on our radar. The sheriff credited Patterson for establishing rapport with White, leading to his confession. Damn. Now, the, the crazy thing, and let's give it a little bit ahead of my story, is the, the church members said that they were aware of White's criminal past when he joined them. He was released from prison in 2007 after serving nearly 12 years for manslaughter and the death of a 26-year-old woman in Kalamazoo. 
What? And he was previously uh, sentenced to probation for choking and stabbing a 17-year-old Battle Creek girl in 1981. And yet they still allowed him to be part of the church. What? what? Yes. That's God ridiculous. You talk about crazy. red flags. Yeah, geez. That's gnarly. That they, um, wow. Okay. But he didn't touch little boys. I guess no, that's why they kept him at that one. Didn't send him off to another one. Yeah, it's like, ah, white women? Okay, that's fine. Yeah, we can, we can deal with that crime. There's enough yeah. of them. Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> of us. <laughs> They're fine. Dang, that's a gnarly story, dude. That's Yeah. <clears throat> so in April of 2013, John White was sentenced to 56 years and three months after pleading guilty to second-degree murder as a habitual offender in the death of Rebecca Gay. On August 28th of the same year, authorities at the Michigan Reformatory in Iowana, Ionia, Ionia, Michigan, where White was jailed, found White in his cell suffering from, quote-unquote, self-inflicted asphyxiation, and White was pronounced deceased at 4.38 a.m. So he, uh... He'd probably <clears throat> still be sitting there getting his three hots in a cot if he yeah, had but himself. Yeah, but I think the word spread about his necrophiliac acts. And so I'm sure prison wasn't great for him. Yeah. Sure. I imagine not. I imagine I not. They fall in the same gray area of sexual predators and yeah. Kitty touchers and police officers. Like we're going to make it rough for you in here. Mm-hmm. So took him what? Four months. So he, he to off himself. himself. What's that? He Epstein himself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a whole nother thing, but yes. No, I'm saying like I he, knew he was going to say that. <laughs> well, I'm saying he didn't do it himself. I mean, I don't, no, he did. They, they he said did. they found I don't him. Think, no. I don't think dead, he did. but who knows? I think they have to say "quote unquote" like that. I mean, you can't. I don't know. Like, are you allowing? Like, he probably was in seg, so I don't because like Will said that he. We're just going to go with he offed himself. Okay, who okay. fucking cares about him? Oh, no, I'm just saying it's it make me. I think it make it more interesting if he didn't. If there was some some prison justice, yeah, some hardcore prison justice. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's well, yeah, gnarly story. That's that story that took place on Halloween one year in 2012. Well, uh, spooky. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found a very interesting ghost story. Uh, yeah, and it it comes from a case we had already done. Uh, in fact, we did it for Spoopy Season 2021, so a, a year ago. So I figured it would be a great time to do a follow-up to the incredibly gnarly story of the butcher of Plainfield, Ed Gein himself. Mm. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with Ed Gein, that's weird. This is a true crime podcast. You're listening to true crime podcast. You should probably know who Ed Gein is. Let me, let me just explain it anyways. Because Ed Gein was the inspiration to many of the horror classics we know today. Most notably was that of Leatherface, Norman Bates from the movie Psycho, uh, complete with mommy issues, and all he, all of that... He was also the inspiration for a doctor in American Horror Story in their Asylum series. But just a short recap, back in the mid to late 1950s, the tiny town of Plainfield, Michigan was unaware that there was a fiend living amongst them. Ed Gein was a small, unassuming man and was known as the town oddball, despite being the man they called to babysit their kids when they needed one. When he wasn't watching kids or being a hired hand at some ranch, he had a secret hobby. In the night, Ed Gein, with the weird eye and meek demeanor, transformed into an actual ghoul. And if you paid close enough attention, you could find him desecrating graves in the Plainfield Cemetery. 
digging up corpses of several women over the course of about 10 years. Nobody knew any of this until the first day of the hunting season on November 16, 1957, when the owner of Warden's Hardware Store, Bernice Warden, disappeared. Eventually, her son, Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, came back from his day out hunting to find the store locked, which was weird. And when he walked inside, he found a bloody trail leading to the back door. Immediately, Frank had remembered that Ed Gein had come into the shop acting a bit suspicious. He Earlier the, the day before, he had asked if they had any antifreeze, which he said, yes, like, okay, I'll be back tomorrow. And in the shop, Frank had found a receipt for antifreeze. So it just clicked. So he sent two deputies out to the Ed Gein farm, but the man was not home. So they let themselves into the dark home because despite it being available, the home had no electricity. So with just flashlights, they searched the home and in the summer kitchen, they found the decapitated body of Bernice hung upside down and mutilated. Ed Gein was arrested immediately after finding him having dinner with a neighbor. Once he was under arrest, a full investigation was conducted and they found the remains of about 17 people, but in the worst way. There were lampshades and bowls made out of the tops of skulls. They found a nipple belt, along with face masks made out of people's faces. One of those was easily recognizable as the face of Mary Hogan, a local taver- tavern owner and bartender who had gone missing a few years earlier, which led the investigators to believe Gein had been murdering a ton of women. Even when Gein confessed to having made over 40 visits to cemeteries to dig up bodies, they still did not believe him until they dug up some of the graves themselves and found he was telling the truth. All in all, Gein is credited with two murders and suspected of killing his own brother as well, but was never proven. So, with that, that was just a short recap of Ed's crimes, but if you want a deep dive into this case, you can check out episode 35 and episode 36 of our podcast, where you will find more information than you ever need to know about old Ed. Yeah, I forgot how gnarly that episode was. Yeah. A nipple belt? Yes. Yeah, a nipple nipple belt. belt. That's correct. Do you think that like the nipples had holes in them to like put the little notch of the belt in it or was it the <laughs> other way? Like they stuck out or like, it went, you know what I mean? I think they were attached to a belt. So they're like sewn onto it. Yeah. Missed opportunity for the holes. Okay. <laughs> Just what <laughs> I would nip- do. The nipples themselves are the, uh, the holes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, glad that you know that that's what you would do. Yeah, I appreciate that. You have an open opportunity here. I'm sure now someone's going to take it before I can make one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you go to Etsy, you'll find many recreations yes! of it. You'll On find it. many recreations of it. Ooh, I uh, have seen an, yeah. Ed, an Ed Gein nipple keychain. I have seen that on Etsy. Yeah. I mean, there was that was just a small, small little snippet of what they found in the house. There was many, many horrible things found in the house. And like I said, if you want to know all about that, hit up those two episodes and you'll you'll know more than you ever need to know about any one person. We did a deep dive into that one. They have so, a pretty cool, because uh, I looked up Ed Gein nipple belt and then mm-hmm. went to shopping, <clears throat> but there's a Dead Dave <laughs> Designs Ed Gein inspired lamp, which is basically like a skin lamp and it has, yeah, like a face looks on? like, no, it looks like hair dangling down from the end of the, oh, the lampshade. Yeah. It looks so pretty like cool. Castles, like, mm-hmm, but it's hair. Fancy. No, oh, it's super cool. Dang. Ugh. Wait, hold on. So is this the dude that check Texas Chainsaw Massacres made of? Yeah, I said that. Yeah, I said that. No, it's, I mean it's... like the not the actual like the movie and stuff, but like the. I guess it's like a. I don't know. Maybe it's a fake. 
a fake story. Sorry. What is? What are you talking about? Um, like on what's it called? Uh, Discovery. There's a Discovery app. There's something about. I guess it's this guy, but they don't ever call him by name, and it just says it's based on the Texas Chainsaw Mass or based off of series a series of events that happened at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Mansion. But they never well, call him. It, but they don't ever say his name. Or that's not Texas Chainsaw Mass- Mansion is not real. That's strictly for the I movie. I know that. That's what I'm saying. Is it like they acted like that was real and that their show was based off of that? But he's not. Know. That show is not real. He's. The, real. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about that. Um, yeah. So now that we have a, a recap on the crimes that rocked the little plain field, which is honestly, it's a really small town. It has like less than like 900 residents and still is that small. Like, it had 900 residents when Ed Gein was there, and it's still the same old small town. Well, not only do they have to deal with the aftermath of Ed Gein's crimes back in the late 50s, but it seems as though they are still living with them today, but not in any legal way. It turns out the spirit of Ed Gein and his mother have been seen all around Plainfield. In fact, if you can find it anywhere, there is a Discovery Plus shockumentary all about Ed Gein's ghost. There are also two amateur ghost hunting docs you can find uh, on YouTube about the Plainfield ghost. And I watched them both, and in the amateur doc, uh, I found about hunting Ed's ghost. They were told by many residents of the town that they could hear Ed's voice and have reported something touching them and even scratching them or pushing them. They've also reported seeing a dark shadow that is unmistakably the shadow of Ed Gein just walking around town. No, thank you. It's pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, the Ed Gein Farm itself is said to be one of the most haunted places despite no one having lived on the property since the residents of Plainfield burned down the Gein Farmhouse before Gein's home could be auctioned off and turned into a macabre museum. Because the last thing they wanted was to be constantly reminded of what had happened there. Except for that, uh, the documentary, no one else has been allowed to investigate the farm. But that doesn't stop people from walking onto the property anyway, where they experience all kinds of weird stuff in in most places. The hardware store and jail, they feel a presence, always watching, and then things will fall off shelves all by themselves. In the video I saw as he was walking along towards a small building left on the Gein property, he could hear footsteps walking with him. And then suddenly he could hear the weird laugh of a man. You can hear it plain as day in the video. It's, it's gnarly. Like he's just walking along and it sounds like this a second footsteps with him. And it's just trippy. And then you just hear a random, like, creepy laugh. And other people claim to hear a knocking or banging on the property, seeming to come from the trees. Just all kinds of weird noises all around the property. In that shockumentary called Ed Gein, A Real Psycho, paranormal investigator Steve Shippey invited psychic medium Cindy Kaza to investigate the Gein farm where she immediately felt a malevolent force on the grounds, and she claims to have made contact with the spirit of a woman in a white sleeping gown that she claims is Augusta. But I think it's possible she could have easily been feeling the presence of Ed himself, because as we came to find out in our episodes, Ed would frequently wear the skin of the women he dug up and dressed up as a woman. He sang and danced in his front yard with only the light of the moon lighting his way. Whether it was Ed himself or the much meaner Augusta Gein she was sensing, it was made clear that Cindy was not welcome on the property. I've heard part of that before, haven't I? I'm sure. Like, no, like recently. Oh, you listened to something about this in the car, didn't you? Probably. Yeah, I feel like you did. Because you were talking about it, about how you'd chosen this 
I guess, section. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be yeah, yeah, pretty I was. creepy feeling. It has to be. Just Maybe. like, I feel a lot of evil. Mm-hmm. Like, and as a, as a medium, she can sense like what it is. So she was seeing in her mind's eye or whatever, uh, the ghost of a woman dressed up in a nightgown, basically. So, And it was basically saying, get the fuck off my property. And the whole time. So yeah, it's not a fun place to be. And everyone who goes there feels like like this oppressive energy as soon as you step onto the property. So it's a town of 900 people. I wonder how many people are actually there daily like to investigate or just because this is a very well-known story. Yeah, I, when I was... the I forgot which one it was. One of the documentaries I was watching, um, they were doing their little spiel, like talking on the side of the road next to the buildings of uh, importance to the story. And they could see people driving along or like walking along just staring at them with like hatred. You know, like... I'm sure they are sick of people coming into their town to do these ghost hunts or whatever it is or to look at the macabre settings and, and the weird stuff that happened in that town. Like, it's got to get annoying. Oh, for sure. I bet it does. I wonder how many hotels are in the town. But they still I don't think there busy. are. <laughs> oh. I, I didn't, it doesn't look like, it looks like it's just like a, there's like one downtown street with like a few shops and that's pretty much it. Like, I don't think, they probably have to stay like in a town nearby or something. Meters, yeah. got it. So when the amateurs amateur investigated uh, the local cemetery, they found the Gein family plot where Augusta, Henry, and George were buried. And you could clearly see their headstones. But there's an empty space between the headstones where Ed should be. But instead, there's a blank space because I think someone just straight up stole it. Or they, they took it because it kept getting, you know... Stolen? Yeah. Or, you know, destroyed, Faced, damaged. Yeah. yeah. They, kept, they kept messing with it in some way. So it's just not there. There's just a blank space where it should be. And there's actually a small hole where people place coins and or flowers. Since the episode that I saw was on Halloween Day, there were small pumpkins placed all in the headstones. So people go there. Yeah, there people go there. It's a famous spot. And another shitty part is, I think anyway, that their headstones, the family, Gein family headstones are like 50 yards away from, um, which one is it? Is it Mary Hogan? That Mm. were her headstones at. It's really close. Like you can see it from their headstones. So the YouTube ghost hunters that I saw made several stops, but their main stop was the Washara County Jail where Ed Gein was held after he was caught and has since been turned into a museum. They got a full tour of the place, including the upstairs apartment where the sheriff's family lived during the tour. And during the tour, they heard several weird knocks or scratching sounds, but nothing too crazy. You know, they just heard like, whoa, what was that? Did you hear that? You know what I mean? Like they're just interviewing uh, the daughter of the sheriff who lived in the apartment at the time. And like while they're talking, they just hear like a knock or like a scratch. And they're like, whoa, did you guys hear that? You know what I mean? Like typical ghost hunter stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So after the initial tour, they met up with the guy named Tom who owns one of Ed Gein's knives believed to be used in his crimes and also his guns. Tom says that these uh, Ed Gein items were kept in a safe place in his home. And once they were in his house, he starts to notice the shadow of a man walking out of his house constantly. But the items also seemed to bring bad luck to the entire family. And eventually he found that people started dying around him. They used uh, like family members within like, I think it's like a two year span. Oh, his family members just passed away one by one. His parents, I think he lost maybe his wife, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's just it happened once he brought the Edgin knife into his home. So they use these items as trigger items for their investigation. 
And in the documentary, they used these knives in several locations. And every time they used them, Cindy felt the breath of a man breathing down her neck. And they also captured the figure of a man with the SLS camera walking towards the knives when Ed was invited to touch them. Ooh. That's creepy. creepy. Yeah, very. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely creepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine just like being in these places that you know you're looking for someone who murdered people and then like the, the weapons he used, he actually used, and then you just feel breath on your neck? Oh, I'd be out of there so quick. Yeah, so far. So quick. Like, nope. I'm done. Oh, also, um, in 99, his headstone was stolen, and it has since then been returned, and it is sequestered at a museum in Washara County, Wisconsin. Okay, so they do, they do have it. It's just not there. Yes. That makes sense. I mean, I, I'm surprised it was only once. No, it's been stolen multiple times. That was, oh, okay. I guess, okay, that the last sense. time they decided yeah, the to sequester it. Got it. So there was also an episode of Deadly Possession with Zach Bagans where he acquired the cauldron from a family who had bought the cauldron directly from the Gein Farm auction. Uh, well, I don't know if you remember, but um, before they burned down the house, or after they burned down the house, they still went through with the auction. Yeah. Um, and there's several items from the farm, just not the farmhouse, because like I said, they didn't want people turning it into some kind of yeah, know, museum. devil museum or yeah, yeah. whatever whatever they thought they were going to do. So they end up, they didn't ever admit to it. They said it was an electrical fire, but we all know the town residents came in and just burned that shit to the ground. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he bought this from the directly from that auction held in October of 58. And um, so they had bought a cauldron and they did their best to reuse the cauldron in a positive way. You know, they painted it a nice color and they started using it as a flower pot, you know, something positive. It, you know, gave life to something just, I don't know if they knew what it was used for, but they knew that it came from that farm, so they tried to repurpose it. And there it sat while the family began to have bad luck. Until finally a friend of theirs happened to see the cauldron in their garage and immediately recognized it as the cauldron that was used under Bernice Warden to collect the blood that was dripping off her mutilated body. And the guy, their friend, was one of the sheriffs who first investigated the home when everything was found, so he knew. And he actually said, like, how do you know that's the exact one? He's like... I look at that cauldron, I can see it, and I get this feeling of dread. I know that's the cauldron that was used to collect blood. Yeah, I know it is something you'd never forget. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I kind of would be like a skeptic also. Be like, how do you know for sure? Yeah, there's, there's so that's what they said. They're like, what, what makes you sure. say that's the exact one? They're like, how do we know that's the, that's the one? And he's like, I'm telling you, I can look at that thing. And I can, I know that thing is talking to me. That thing is the thing. It's just a yeah. feeling he had. So, I mean, you could be right. He could just be making that story up. However, this thing was haunted enough to be passed off. So, like, obviously, the family got rid of the thing as fast as possible. And that's when Zach Bagans bought it. The item is among one of the most haunted things in his museum. And when they placed the item in its spot, they got to work investigating. They placed an audio recorder near it, and Zach asked the cauldron. What do you want to happen to people who own your stuff? Then they heard a voice say, Evil. And immediately after that, they heard a door slam in a room next to them. No one else was in the museum at the time. Will scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Good. This is a Halloween episode. Halloween. Good. I don't know why I wasn't expecting you to do some voice, but like I literally don't. <laughs> But by far the scariest thing that happened during these, these investigations was to the shockumentary crew in the jail. 
While walking around the jail, Cindy Kaza, the psychic medium, heard a voice say, I think mother would be proud. <laughs> Is he a gremlin? <laughs> yeah, well, he's a fiend. Some fiend. people call him. He's a ghoul. So, so is the entire town haunted by the ghost of Ed and Augusta Gein, or is it something pretending to be them, a demonic force using the trauma of the crimes as a way in, or is it nothing at all and people just make shit up? Either way, you decide. People make uh, shit up. Yeah, I'd have to go to a place like that and actually either like see it or feel it for myself. Yeah, versus like just hearing other people Take, talk about it and being like, yeah. mm, I don't know. Hmm. We should all go spend the but... weekend with Paranormal there. Ooh, that'd be interesting. The whole town is, is a haunted playground. Yeah. I mean, I won't be in attendance, but I'll pray for Why? you guys. Why not? Because I don't you believe just said in that we. shit. I meant we as in you two. Oh. Well, it's funny that you wouldn't go to a haunted place because I have a surprise story. One extra little story. From a place that we were in this past weekend, Emily, from Gainesville, Texas. Excuse me? Yeah, we were there in this town. And this is from October 8th. The article I'm looking up is in the AV Club. And it's a, an article from October 18th, 2022. So while we were there, this was happening. What? Yeah. So this nice. story comes from Gainesville, Texas. Uh, it's a recent story. And the article says Gainesville, Texas, has a house haunted by horny ghosts. That's the title <laughs> of the article. What, oh, everyone's so. like, you're sleeping and then your panties get pulled off? What the fuck? So uh, let me just I read the article. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... This one says, somehow, despite all of these investigations into the paranormal world, we've never encountered anything quite like the following. A home plagued by horny specters who torment the living by flirting with them from beyond the grave. The house in question is located in Gainesville, Texas, and owned by Linda Hill. According to an interview with the state's WFAA news station, Hill and her husband learned that their Denton Street property, which we passed by that street, was home what? to things that go bump and grind. <laughs> In the night. Oh, oh clever writing. <laughs> <laughs> so after being unable to rent it to tenants for any longer than six months. So there was a rental home that they owned and they couldn't keep anybody in there for any more than six months. And they were getting pissed because six months is not a long time to, for, to have a renter. You know what I mean? So Hill didn't believe stories that the tenants were telling them and the reason they were leaving so quickly because the house was haunted until she experienced the terror for herself. While taking a shower at the home one day, she witnessed a, quote-unquote, a dark figure on the other side of the curtain, which whispered, looking good. Hill thought it was her husband paying her a compliment, but he soon entered the bathroom to ask who she was talking to. Okay, first of all, who doesn't know their husband's voice from a creepy, looking good? This is an elderly woman, too. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. she was just happy to be hit on. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Someone's paying attention to her. And so, from this day forward, Hill has believed the house is haunted by ghosts that are, in her words, sexual. In WFAA's video segment, which we highly recommend watching from start to finish for these quotes and reporter Sean Giggy's concluding skit, Hill goes on to explain that people have also recorded EVPs where the ghosts can be heard talking dirty in the house. The horny specters have, she says, called out from beyond the grave to say things like, 
Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Yeah. And yeah, I like that. I like that. Oh, my God. As to how the sexually frustrated ghost ended up in the house, WFAA mentions a rumor that the home was previously a bordello and describes the 19-foot well underneath the living room, which some believe is a spiritual portal. Okay, so gross, first of all. They gangbang in the well? <laughs> I guess. The oh ghost God. gangbang? Oh, and if you're interested, you can actually uh, book time in the property. She's renting it out to people trying to hunt this ghost. You stay is there. this what the haunting of Hill House is based on? I mean, I've never seen that show. I just it, so it gives you. No. Uh, it no. says this option offers the best way to test out what exactly constitutes the ectoplasm the ghosts presumably leave all over the place, and to take a shot at fulfilling every paranormal researcher's most dearly held dream. Which uh, is yeah, said, uh, yeah, which this article goes on to say as memorably illustrated by Dan Aykroyd in Ghost Hunter. You know that scene where he gets blown by a ghost. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. He gets what movie was that? It's a blowjob, BJ. And there's a what movie was that? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd. I think it's the very first one. Yeah. And there's one comment on this article, and it's from Ninja Robot Pirates. Uh, horny ghosts are the real reason we're supposed to cover our mouths when we yawn. You don't want that ectoplasm getting in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was because we were in uh, Gainesville, Texas this past weekend from my, well, near my brother's wedding. We passed through there. Uh, I thought it was a fun story because we were there when this was happening. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all the stuff that I got. You guys got anything else? Got nothing. Ghosts aren't real. What was oh, that? Come on. What was that? Ghosts aren't real. Ghosts are not real. Okay. That's fine. It's totally Peter's fine. Here's ectoplasm. Mm. I mean, it is, but. Mm. 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 Yeah. Well, that's all we have. Happy Halloween, everybody. We hope you enjoy these short, horrific stories. Um, I think I think Will might win this one for horrifying. Um, <laughs> for um, sure. It was brutal. I don't yeah. Think it was in the Halloween spirit, but. <laughs> Let's- Happy Halloween. Don't eat your friends. Or your friend's candy. Or don't <laughs> fuck dead bodies. Always. Remember that, remember that one always. That unless, you, one. unless you are the dead body, <laughs> and then you're a ghost. Then you can fuck whoever. Because yes. then you can just, you go into a rental home, you get free rent, and then you get to oogle old ladies in the shower. Yeah, you get to so, say naughty things to people and don't have to worry about dirty, just like dirty left turn. You can leave yeah, your ectoplasm wherever you want. Oh, my God. That's for the tenants. It's not a crime. That's for the tenants to deal with. Bring it up in ghost quote. Come on. <laughs> Cover your mouth when you yawn. Emily? All right. You guys can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Bloodthirsty Times. You can check us out on Twitter and TikTok at Bloodthirsty Pod. And don't email us at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com because we prefer that you contact us on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks. But also, if you want to, you can. Yeah. I mean, also, yeah. Obviously, I said it for a reason. You can hit us up on Twitter. I'm trying to be active on that, but Twitter is kind of weird. Twitter. Um, yeah, congratulations, now, Elon Musk. Elon Musk has it and fired everyone, yep. including the lady that he fired everyone. Banned, uh, do you think that he's just Donald Trump account? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. I just want him to do more than 140 videos. characters. Yeah, that's all you want. That's all you yeah. want. That's the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Okay. Email right, Elon well, Musk. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Hope Halloween, you're safe out there. Safe. Happy Hope Halloween. Over. Don't eat strangers. Can't. Oh well, no. I don't know. There's Open. drugs in the candy, folks. Nobody's giving drugs away for free. No, there there are.
There's drugs in the candy. Make sure you check all of them. Take it to your local PD for x-ray. You can send Bye, it our everybody. way and we'll just eat it. <laughs>